This episode is brought to you by Odd Mo's Pizza in Canby. Handmade awesome pizza plus craft beer, wine, and cider delivered. Order today at 503-263-8444 or visit them online at oddmoes.com. This episode is also brought to you by Canby Foursquare Church. Since 1978, a place to grow, connect, and serve. Sunday services on campus and online at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Learn more at canbyfoursquare.com. Welcome to Now Hear This Candy, your source for news. The threat of a possible teacher strike was avoided this week. There's a new irresistibly cute creature winning over fans, and its name is Scootaloo. Sports? It's like Lucy in the football. You want to kick a field goal, but they take it away from you. We had to learn how to win. Mm-hmm. Goal can't be in the last second of the game! And interesting conversations. Because I'm one of the strongest girls ever, and I know that for a fact. <laughs> I just really enjoy writing gossip as if I was a bear. <laughs> With an old maid daughter that make the best moonshine in the coast. <laughs> if it would have hit me in the face, I think I would have died. I really do. It, it, it... I guarantee you would have died, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Welcome to Now Hear This Canby Podcast. Happy Star Wars Day. May the fourth be with you. I'm Tyler, the Sith Lord Clausen, and this is what's happening this week in our community. Ballots are on the way to registered voters in Canby and Clackamas County for the May 16th special district election. Among other issues, area voters will weigh in on the hotly contested race for three seats on the Canby School Board and a replacement operating levy for the Canby Fire District. According to the new Clackamas County Clerk Catherine McMullen, ballots went out in the mail beginning the morning of Wednesday, April 26th, and every registered voter in the county should receive a ballot. Registered voters who haven't received a ballot by May 4th should contact Clackamas County Elections for a replacement. Depending on the voter's address, the off-year election will include board of directors seats for local school districts, community colleges, education service districts, fire districts, water districts, and other special districts. There are also city offices and district levy and bond measures for voters in some jurisdictions where a particular voter lives determines what districts, measures, and contests are on their ballot. There are no statewide races or ballot measures in special district elections. Clackamas County residents will notice that their ballot envelope looks different than in years past. It will be marked with county's logo and colors and the date of the election. It will include only the name of Clackamas County Clerk's Office and not McMullen. Former Clerk Sherry Hall had previously and controversially printed her name on the official county ballots, including in elections in which she was a candidate, until the legislature prohibited the practice in 2020. Countywide voters' pamphlets were mailed out earlier this month, but digital versions are available on the county's website. Ballots can be mailed back with a valid postmark or returned to an official ballot drop box by 8 p.m. on Election Day, May 16th. 
No postage is necessary if mailed in the United States or returned to an official Dropbox. Dropboxes are open 24-7 until 8 p.m. on Election Day and available in Canby at the Canby Civic Building, 222 Northeast 2nd Avenue and Arneson's Garden behind Fred Meyer, 249 South Sequoia Parkway. In Malala at the Malala Public Library, 201 East 5th Street, and in Oregon City at the County Elections Office, 1710 Red Soils Court, and City Hall, 625 Center Street. For more information about the election, visit bit.ly slash clackco May 2023 election. The Canby Fire District Vote Volunteer Firefighters Association is looking to make a bang with this year's 4th of July fireworks show, and they need your help. The association, in partnership with the Canby Fire District, has organized and managed the annual community fireworks display since 2015 with the generous support of local businesses, organizations, and residents. With inflation drastically rising manufacturing costs in China, where 99% of consumer fireworks and some 70% of professional fireworks are made, organizers are in the need of additional support to secure this year's show. We have the down payment for the 2023 fireworks display, but need an additional donations to ensure the fireworks will happen this July, as well as funds to secure the display for 2024. Canby Fire Division Chief and Volunteer Coordinator Wayne Austin wrote in an April 17th letter to the community. The high quality show has traditionally been put on with the assistance of Canby-based Western Display Fireworks, which donates about a quarter of the cost of the $20,000 show and provides the licensed technicians to ensure the pyrotechnics are done safely and sanely. The display serves as the close of the community's 4th of July celebration, which includes the city-organized Canby Independence Day Parade and celebration in downtown Wake Park. But the official display serves several purposes beyond offering up an entertaining show, as Austin explained, including reducing the number of fireworks-related emergencies and medical incidences due to non-professionals taking matters into their own hands and drawing residents and visitors to patronize Canby businesses. Those interested in supporting the display can make checks payable to the Canby Volunteer Firefighters Association and mail or hand deliver them to the Canby Fire District at 221 South Pine Street, Canby, Oregon 97013. Electronic payments may also be made online through the association's GoFundMe page. The Canby Volunteer Firefighter Association is a 501c3 organization and your donation may be tax deductible. Donations of more than $500 will be advertised on the district website and social media.
Oregon's Mount Hood Territory, the official tourism organization for Clackamas County, is launching a new mobile program called the Mount Hood Territory Wine Trail, which aims to build awareness of the region's local wineries. The free program pairs a mobile passport with an easy-to-use map that visitors and locals alike can sign up for and enjoy, showcasing more than a dozen area wineries, including Whiskey Hill Winery and Postlewaite's Vineyards and St. Joseph's Winery in Canby, Christopher Bridges Wine and King's Raven Winery in Oregon City, and many more. Visitors who sign up will earn points for each winery they visit, check in at participating locations to earn points towards exclusive locally made prizes. Some wineries even offer special tasting room deals available only to Wine Trail users that you can redeem for even more points. Additionally, each check-in counts as an entry for an annual grand prize drawing. The winner will receive a two-night stay at Mount Hood with activities worth over $500. We're excited to launch our new wine trail with summer quickly approaching and Oregon Wine Month just around the corner, said Casey Nopik, Senior Public Relations Manager for Mount Hood Territory. It's our hope that as the weather warms up, locals and visitors alike will be excited to get outside and explore Mount Hood Territory and get to know the wineries that make this region so special. Mount Hood Territory encourages users to drink responsibly and participate in the use of designated drivers, buses, and mobile car sharing apps when visiting wine trail participants. Users must be 21 or older to participate. Guests can sign up for the Mount Hood Territory Wine Trail by providing their name and email address online. They will receive a link on their mobile phone, which opens the passport and directs the user to add the button icon to their home screen. When visiting a participating winery, a guest can use their phone's built-in GPS to check in. No downloads are required, nor are there any bulky apps taking up space on the user's phone, officials promise. When visiting a participating stop along the wine trail, you can successfully redeem at that location using the self-check-in feature. Each check-in and discount can be redeemed once per year. Each check-in earns points that can be redeemed in the in-pass marketplace for prizes and will also count as one entry into the grand prize drawing at the end of the pass period. The pass is valid until March 2024. Dig out your sun hat, gloves, and hand troll, because the 37th annual Spring Garden Fair is just around the corner at the Clackamas County Fairgrounds and Event Center, bringing together more than 100 garden vendors for a weekend of shopping, learning, and family fun. Visitors to the fair will find a wide selection of plants suited for growing in the Pacific Northwest, including the best in annuals, pre-annuals, from nursery vendors, the fair will also host vendors specializing in garden tools and other needs as well as craftsmen offering unique pieces of garden art. 
The fair will feature convenient shopping options, including plant taxis and free plant check. Visitors can also seek advice or inspiration from the Ask a Master Gardener booth or 10-Minute University in Clackamas Hall. The new plant introduction section will showcase the latest and greatest in plant and containers with a silent auction and a potting station where purchases can be potted for free with potting soil provided. The Garden Fair Raffle will offer hundreds of prizes throughout the day. For those looking to learn more, the Exhibition Center in 4-H Hall will provide plenty of great information for local organizers, free pH soil testing, and free children's activities for young gardeners. The popular Good Time Food Court will be set up on the main lawn for lunch or just a snack. On Sunday, the Portland Iris Society will be in its usual spot in the main pavilion. The Spring Garden Fair will be held from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Saturday, May 6th and 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sunday, May 7th. Admission is $5 and parking is free. And for the first time, ticket pre-sales and two-day passes will be available for $9. Officials ask visitors to please note that the fairgrounds are a smoke-free facility and no pets are allowed with the exception of service dogs. The Clackamas County Master Gardener Association is organizing the event in collaboration with and in support of the Oregon State University Extension Service Master Gardener Program. Organizers say the fair promises to be a great opportunity for gardening enthusiasts and families to come together, enjoy the beautiful scenery, and pick up some useful tips and tools. More information can be found on the fair's website, springgardenfair.org and Facebook page. Cougar Country Hometown Sports Coverage is brought to you by Rife and Hunsaker PC. When you need an attorney, turn to the firm Canby is trusted for over 50 years. Call them today at 503-266-3456. For the latest sports news, follow us on Twitter at Cougar Country or an Instagram at Cougar Country Pod. The Canby High School equestrian team wrapped up its regular season on a high note, dominating the final North Valley District meet earlier this month and securing multiple spots for the upcoming state competition in May. The team's impressive performance at the Oregon State Fairgrounds from April 13th to 16th included a number of first-place finishes across various events. With their sights now set on the 2023 OSET Championships, the Cougars are poised to excel, boosting a stronger roster of competitors across the board. The state meet will take place from May 11th to 14th at the Deschutes County Fair and Expo Center, and the Canby team is primed for success. Leading the Cougs, individual state qualifiers were Sadie Schweitzer, who earned gold in showman, in-hand tail, dressage, and barrels, Lola Rice, who took home gold in pole bending and silver in breakaway roping, Maddie Biggie, who won gold in individual flags and bronze in figure eight and keyhole, and Lexi Williams with a gold in breakaway roping and pole bending, a bronze in figure eight, and also qualifying in barrels. Other individual state qualifiers include Madison Wheeler, Silver and Showman and In Hand Trail, Hannah Smith, Silver and Saddle Seat and Western Horsemanship and Second Alternate in Trail, Haley Smith, Bronze in Dressage, First Alternate in Hunt Seat, 
in third alternate in barrels and figure eight. Haley Magenheimer, bronze in showman and in hand trail. And Addie Heineman, bronze in saddle seat and first alternate in in hand trail. Several duos will also compete on their sport's largest stage in the state with Hannah Smith and Haley Smith earning silver in working pairs and Sadie Schweitzer and Haley Magenheimer nabbing bronze in the same event. Sadie Schweitzer and Madison Wheeler also won bronze in two-man by Wrangle and Hannah Smith and Haley Smith winning first alternate. The Cougar riders also impressed the team events. The quartet of Hannah Smith, Sadie Schweitzer, Haley Magenheimer, and Madison Wheeler claimed gold in in-hand obstacle relay, while Lauren Gomes, Haley Smith, Addie Heinemann, and Katie Weidman will be first alternates. The team of Hannah Smith, Madison Wheeler, Sadie Schweitzer, Haley Magenheimer, Maddie Biggie, and Adie Heinemann also took home gold in team versatility. Hannah Smith, Sadie Schweitzer, Haley Magenheimer, and Madison Wheeler won silver. And Lauren Gomes, Maddie Biggie, Haley Smith, and Addie Heinemann earned first alternate. Finally, the teams of Madison Wheeler, Sadie Schweitzer, Maddie Biggie, and Addie Heinemann, and Hannah Smith, Haley Smith, Haley Magenheimer, and Chloe Surgeon earned silver and first alternate, respectively, in the Canadian flag race. Hey, Frankie, how's that new internet deal you just signed up for working out? Uh, not great, actually. Oh, sorry to hear that. How so? Well, my bill ended up being way more than I thought it would. I actually have this statement here. Uh, apparently, I had to pay more for high data usage? Oh, yeah. Some providers will get you for that. Sometimes they have data caps, and they can slow down your speeds and charge you extra for going over. So I'm being punished for using my connection? That doesn't seem right. <laughs> I'm with you there. What else does your bill say? A lot. I had to pay extra for faster upload speeds to get Wi-Fi equipment, and there's also this infrastructure fee? I looked that up and it turns out it's a fee so they can build out their network, mostly in other cities and states. I hate to say it, Frankie, but it sounds like you might have only taken into account the flashy sale price and not all the fine print charges. You may be right. You should switch your internet to DirectLink, Cambie's local cooperative provider. They don't have any hidden fees and don't nickel and dime you for using your connection. Plus, Wi-Fi is included in your internet subscription. That sounds great. I could really use a new router and these data overage fees are going to add up really fast. It couldn't be easier. Just give them a call and ask about Omni. It's their all-in-one internet service that includes Wi-Fi, enhanced security, great parental controls, and easy-to-use network management apps. And there's really no hidden fees? They won't charge me for streaming and gaming a lot? Nope. You get fast download and upload speeds, unlimited data use, reliable and secure Wi-Fi, and local service included with any DirectLink fiber connection. Give them a call today at 503-266-8111 or visit www.directlink.coop.
Okay, on the Kimmy Conversation today, we are talking with a couple of employees of the Kimmy Fire District and representing the Firefighters Association. Why don't you guys start by introducing yourself? Yeah, my name is Austin Holmes. I'm a lieutenant paramedic with Kimby Fire, as well as the union shop steward for Clackamas County Firefighters Local 1159. Welcome, Austin. Thank you. Andrew? I'm Andrew Amit, uh, captain paramedic with Kimby Fire. Cool. And we have a uh, ballot measure on the May 16th election. The uh, ballots, like we've been talking, are out in the mail now. Some folks may already have them in their hands. Um, you guys, I know, have been uh, sharing signs and doing a lot of outreach with folks. Why don't you start by just kind of giving us the basics of uh, what uh, folks are going to be considering in this month's election? Yes, yeah, so uh, in this May election, we're going after a uh, levy increase. So uh, we're technically mid. Uh, mid-scale in our current levy, we currently have a 45 cent local option levy which gives us uh, supplementary staffing um, for what our current levels are and currently uh, we staff with uh, six firefighter paramedics or EMTs per day mm -hmm. and then we drop to five if we have a vacancy so if someone was to call in sick or take vacation then minute five is our minimum. Yeah um, and that may seem like a lot but folks have to remember that's across multiple stations and across the whole uh, area that you guys serve. Correct and the other thing that some people don't know is Canby Fire also has an ASA which is an ambulance service area so we're not just providing fire coverage we're actually providing the ambulance transport for the community yeah not only the city but also the surrounding district we cover about 54 square miles yeah um, so when you take five people and you spread them across two ambulances and a fire truck that really leaves if both ambulances are gone you're left with one person in town on a fire truck so it's <laughs> yeah. really not ideal yeah um and then just can has grown so much that i mean when i first started in 2012 i think that was the first time we hit 2,000 calls in a year mm. and last year we were what 3,600 yeah, 3,600 yeah. 36 36 and change yeah. so i mean we've just increased drastically and the problem with we used to depend a lot more on the guys on the ambulance to be in town because we weren't as busy. So that yeah. was where a lot of our staffing and coverage came from. And now the ambulances are just running the wheels off. So most of our staffing, instead of being in town for a fire or an emergency, they're out transporting a lot of the times, day and night, to yeah. hospitals that range anywhere from Salem Hospital up to Portland. Yeah. So I mean, one call if you're running up to Portland can be that crew's out of service for yeah. two to three hours. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, that's kind of where this new levy comes into play. So this levy would go from 45 cents to 95 cents. And what that does, is it gives us the revenue to hire six more additional personnel to increase the daily staffing from six to eight. Yeah. And there would still probably be some minimum staffing where it may be down to seven or something, but it would really guarantee if we have both ambulances out of town, we still have an actually qualified crew on an engine to still respond to both fire and medical emergencies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anything to add? No, yeah, he got it right on the head. It's, it is funny, you know, when we drop down to five, how unfortunately inefficient it is. Just, it's clear that we need all of our rags, our rigs staffed, and when we drop personnel, it just, it just brings a lot of, you know, we we tap for volunteers when we get volunteers, and unfortunately, the game right now is, you know, we're limited numbers of volunteers, but. Yeah. Uh, to have them, the personnel there all the time would be nice, you know, and keeping the engine fully staffed, so. Yeah, yeah, and I think that might be uh, one thing to, to mention as well, because I know for folks that um, have lived here for a long time and, and uh, seen Canby Fire uh, do well and kind of thrive as a volunteer, uh, or largely volunteer department for so long, um, maybe kind of wondering, do we really need to go this route or whatever? But 
um, it's just completely different from where it used to be, where you could just hang a sign on the door. Yeah. You know, I mean, you go help uh, fight a fire, leave the money on the desk if you need anything yeah. on the counter if you need anything. It's just not like that anymore. And a no. lot of the folks that may be of age and able to serve don't even work in Canby. They may uh, yeah. commute to other communities. So. Well, that's the big thing is, I think when I started there was 30 volunteers and with me being one of them, you know, because uh, I started as a volunteer and now I think we have seven maybe, Yeah, you know, and, and then just like you said, in the olden days you had everybody worked in town, all their employers were cool that they could yeah. just, the bell went off and people could leave their work and go. Yeah to a call and it's just not that way anymore. A lot of people work out of town and then, you know, it's just a lot to ask of people too. And now when they get done working eight to five and then they come home and then they have, you know, they want to be with their families or people are just busy. So it's just not enough hours in the day to really get, you know, consistent response from volunteers. So yeah. right now with the call volume we're running and how busy we are, we're pretty frequently relying on mutual aid to come in. So now people are calling 911 and a rig or an ambulance is showing up from Malala, Westland, yeah. yeah. Wilsonville. TVFR. Yeah, so I mean, and that's not ideal. I mean, I live in town and if my family needed to call 911, I, I wouldn't want to wait for an ambulance from Westland or sure. Malala, you know? Sure. And I think some of the other questions that I've kind of seen getting asked would be, you know, well, why don't we not do the ambulance portion and just do fire that and have AMR come in or something? Yeah. And I think what some people don't realize is part of our current revenue that we have to to pay employees and actually have staff is the revenue from transport. Yeah. So if we were to get rid of the ambulance service area and give it to AMR, I think there's two things. One, I don't think that the service would be nearly as good yeah. as what we can provide. Now you're having two different agencies, so we would have to go to the call and then AMR would show up and then we would have to hand off to them and you just have two different agencies versus us like we have com complete control so you know we're handing off to our employees we can all talk about the call during it beforehand we work together every day so we just have a total tight-knit gelled workforce where we yeah. just work really well together and i think that's you know awesome and that, and i don't want to interrupt but and that you guys are so enmeshed with the community of mm -hmm. candy i mean you're 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 well known to the community you participate in all the community events people know you know your faces and you work with the city and the police department yep. and all these other folks uh, which i would know amr would come to do that as well but mm -hmm. they're not just candy right they're a huge yeah, uh, yeah. Organization. and i think the thing for us too is you know if we transport we build for transport and we make some money but that's not really the funding we necessarily like 100% depend on yeah so we're not taking that route as like a f like a profit company like AMR is a business they make money for transporting yeah like we don't push transport unless it's necessary mm -hmm. so for us it's like we like to give people education go out evaluate them and then say hey you know like it's, a, it's it is an expensive ride so yeah. maybe you can go like we think it's appropriate to go with a family member because mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like maybe something emergent because we do have we like to have the uh, citizens best interest in mind right and we don't want to transport them and charge them money if we don't think it's necessary because we don't want to put that burden on people so we can kind of look at it from a different aspect because the ambulance revenue is not our only source of funding because we do tax revenue yeah. and then the other thing is we do make money off the, off the ambulance revenue so if we were to get rid of it then we would actually have to to cut positions mm -hmm. and fire firefighters. So yeah. that's the thing I don't think people look at it like, oh, if you just get rid of the ambulance, like all the problems go away. Right. Not, not quite, you know, like yeah. we need that revenue. So, and I think some of the things people have been asking is, Kami's been growing, we're building houses. How come with building houses, that's not enough revenue to hire yeah. people? And I think that 
we do receive some revenue from that, correct, but um, the amount of revenue we receive from residential homes is not very substantial. I mean, you look at what people are paying in their property taxes every year, and let's just say it's $400 in fire protection services in your taxes every year. I mean, if you build a thousand homes, I mean, that's not enough money to hire six firefighter paramedics. I mean, all, and then the other double-edged sword is we're also increasing call volume with the more houses we build, so we're kind of yeah always fighting that battle. Yeah. A um, couple questions. I want to, uh, you know, just make clear uh, real quick, and you guys have just been very informational so far, uh, but just to be clear, we're not at the fire station. Um, you guys aren't in uniform. You're just kind of here uh, on your own off-duty, um, and some of the rules around uh, levies and things is that um, you know th that you would be able to sort of advocate or, or express a position in this case if you wanted to, uh, whereas you're uh, not supposed to do that when you're actually on duty or, or uh, in uniform. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. If we're on duty in uniform, like if somebody sees us grocery shopping at the store, um, we always encourage people to come up, interact with us, talk with us, and at that point in time, we're able to present you the facts of the levy, like yeah. what the levy. Uh, what what the increase is, what we would do with the funds if it was to pass, you know, what things would look like if it was to not pass. Yeah. And we can present all the facts, um, but we can't say you should or shouldn't or what we personally think. Yeah. You know, what what I personally think is um, you should vote yes because if people expect, you know, if they want to call 911 and expect a prompt response for themselves or their loved ones, then, you know, you got to pay the price to have good service. and. Um, we're a growing community and we're it's a we're just at that time where we need to kind of catch up and yeah. we've been getting away for a really long time with not enough and it's time to kind of take the step forward and really kind of progress to try to you know provide the citizens what I think is what they deserve yeah. Yeah. Um, you know and I think a lot of people um, are proud of KMB and think that KMB is a great place to live and it's a safe community and if you want to maintain that then this is kind of one of the things that has to happen yeah yeah uh, a couple of questions I have kind of about the, the money. You, you mentioned, Austin, about the, um, uh, you know, folks kind of asking, hey, we're building houses. How come that doesn't kind of make you guys whole or, or put you where you need to be? Um, th there's there's different, and we use the, the different words or try to sort of explain it as far as like the tax base and the levies mm -hmm. and, and there's capital bonds, which we also have in play, um, and they're all uh, sort of do different things, are approved and last for different uh, times, but the the permanent tax rate, which is kind of what that uh, question is speaking to, um, I think we should explain, is capped at a certain rate. Uh, there was a, a voter amendment, what, back in the 90s or early 2000s? Yeah. Um, they capped all government at a certain rate. It only grow at like a maximum of 3%. So even if your tax base is growing at 25%, like, you know, too bad. Um, exactly, so. yeah. There's there's a lot of things that factor with our, our budget. You know, one is our tax base. One, it can never change. Yeah. So we're always stuck at, I believe it's $1.34. So... No matter what happens, that's what we're at. Yeah. So, which is why we go after uh, local option levies is because when we have increased growth and all this stuff, we just can't keep up. So we have to do another side taxation to try to make some money and keep up so we can have the staffing and stuff to do that. Um, and then the bond was something where it's, you know, bonds aren't for people. They're for what people Thanks. say is bricks and mortar, yeah. right? So that was one of the uh, ways we could uh, build the Northside Station, which the community really wanted. 
and we've had a lot of positive feedback from and then also update some older aging equipment um, so and then now we're kind of doing the levy increase again so but yeah we're, we're limited to the dollar 34 and then the other thing is like you said there's a three percent tax cap so no matter how fast taxation may go up you're capped at three percent yeah so yeah. Um, also in terms of the levy, like you mentioned, the proposal to go from what it currently is, which is 45 cents per thousand of assessed valuation, to 95 cents. So people kind of see that and like, whoa, more than double. But you have to factor in that no, that's only one piece. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the total, um, I've seen a presentation that kind of compares. I don't know if you have information. Um, I do. They kind of, comp- but we're still even if this were to pass, we'd still be pretty low in comparison to. Uh, I mean, we're already extremely low. Yeah. And so this wouldn't even put us necessarily what other folks are paying in other uh, yeah. neighboring communities. So. Yeah, I think, and I think there's a, definitely some confusion on that with people. And I think the first biggest confusion that people think and they get really spun up is they see um, ninety-five cents per thousand, yeah. and they immediately think it's their market value. No, it's yeah. not. It's yeah. their assessed value. Right. So whatever your, um, so I, I urge people to look at their tax statements to yeah. see what is your home actually assessed at from the tax assessor's office. Not really a lot lower. Well, a lot lower. So yeah. your house may have a market value of five hundred forty-five thousand dollars, but the assessed taxation value is probably it could be like three fifty. Yeah. So big difference. It's a lot of thousands when you're looking at you know ninety-five right. cents per thousand. Um, so I think the number we have here. So um, we did some polling, and the district average home of assessed value was two hundred seventy-six thousand dollars, mm-hmm. well under what anything in town is for market value. Yeah. So if that levy was to pass, um, it would be an, a, an increase of two hundred sixty-two dollars a year, or twenty-two dollars a month. Yeah. You know, and people initially were running that calculation for their market value, and they were saying like, "Oh, I'm going to pay six hundred and eighty dollars yeah. more per year." when I think in total, most people wouldn't even be paying that total yeah. for even if the levy increased like for the whole fire district thing. So not an increase of 600, but you're probably gonna be under that for yeah. most people based on what the average was. Yeah. And, and to speak on what you were kind of discussing, I don't know exactly the numbers, but I remember Davis was talking to us about districts around us are also increasing. There was like 60 districts. I think 60 fire districts across the state of yeah. Oregon are all going for levy increases. Yeah, yeah Colton's going for one, even just neighboring with Mall. Central Oregon, yeah. everywhere. Clackamas, yeah. yeah. Clackamas is going up. So, I mean, if that shows we're not the only people with with the, the problem of trying to keep up, right? Yeah. It's a fire district problem. But, but it's, not, it's not 45 to 95, right? It, it's really more like I don't know the exact number, but like two seventy to three fifty. Like it's 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 when you when you look at the the total, it's mm-hmm. a much smaller percentage yeah. increase. It's, like it's two dollars to It's not 50. a doubling. It's like a twenty percent. Yeah, I, th- I think we're going to be going from a dollar ninety nine to like two fifty oh, right. or two forty five. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, yeah. I factored yeah. in the bond. I shouldn't. Yeah, have yeah, yeah. So yeah, just the base tax rate plus levy, like you said. Yeah, like one ninety nine to two. And if we and if we pass and it puts us at the the two dollars and fifty cents range that's that's what clackamas fire which is one of the biggest neighboring agencies around us that's what they're currently at and they're yeah. trying to go more uh, to up to maintain stay afloat so you know i i think KB fire prides itself on being very very uh studious with taxpayer money mm. and trying to be very uh lean you know when we went for the bond um there's a lot of things we wanted to get done and i think we probably went for half of what we kind of need especially with when increases happen with like I the remember, whole COVID thing. I remember when you guys went to build that north side station and it had been 
approved and budgeted for what like a little over a million and by that point inflation and everything had yeah. gone crazy the pandemic and you're like how are we going to do this yeah, we managed I mean, to do it and we, it was kind of a miracle we but did but we're a very, lot of help from folks but a lot yeah. of help we're very studious i mean when we remodeled our other station i mean we were keeping and reusing ceiling tiles and doors mm -hmm. and stuff so it's like any way to cut a corner to try to be as cheap and frugal as possible to you know be studious with the budget we've done so i mean i think the community should be pretty proud of that yeah you know and actually do all the architecture yeah right <laughs> you know so i think you know what we want people to know is if, if we're going to go if we're going to tell you we need something like we're not going to ask you unless we really truly do need it yeah you know so i mean and that goes across the board for everything in our budget yeah Tyler, did you know that the Australian lyrebird can mimic any sound that it hears, even chainsaws? No, that's uh, super interesting. Did you know that a baby puffin is called a puffling? Uh, or no. that baby sea otters can't swim, so their moms wrap them up in pieces of kelp until they learn how to paddle? Wait, do you know any trivia that isn't like animal related? Not really, but here's some stuff you may not know about the Wild Hair Saloon, where Camby goes to eat and have fun. Okay. The Wild Hair is one of Camby's longest running locally owned restaurants. Owners Joan and Darren Moden have been in business for 16 years. That's cool. Yeah, heck, you were just a baby back then. I, and, wait, what? And they love to give back. They've been members of the Camby Chamber for that long, and they donate over $20,000 to local sports, FFA programs, and civic organizations each year. Wow, I'm legitimately like caught off. That's cool. Yeah. They also support more than 30 jobs in the community through their award-winning staff, some of them as young as 18. Hey, that's older than you are. Uh, dude, I'm I'm 10 months younger than you. With, with the days getting longer and the weather getting warmer, the Canby Wild Hair's expansive outdoor patio is the place to be. Furry friends, welcome. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to go check them out just off of Highway 99E next to the Space Age in Canby at 1656 Beaver Creek Road in Oregon City or on their website at thewildhairsaloon.net. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you guys as well, because I know uh, for me and I'm sure a lot of other folks, uh, you know, you, you say too many numbers and our eyes just kind of glaze over. But um, uh, can we talk a little bit uh, just about kind of the, the practical need, the thing that you guys see as working firefighters in terms of the need? And I know I want to go back a little bit, Austin, to when you were talking about the number of calls and how that's increased. That's another one of those numbers, like 3,600 calls. That okay, that's a big number. Like, what does that actually mean? One of the big, big things is the percentage increase of the number of calls to overlap, right? Yeah. And that's where you've got multiple, and you've even started to see where you've got like three calls or six mm -hmm. calls or seven calls going at once. And it's like, how do we how do we make this puzzle work? Yeah, and I think the data I have here uh, shows that, let's see, in the last eight years, calls have increased 56%, and then um, the times where we're doubled up has gone from 30 to 47%. Mm. Um, and I don't know how how this happens or, you know, what we refer to as the call gods, but uh, for some reason it's very, very common in Canby that we will go six hours quietly and then uh, in, in within 15 minutes we'll get two yeah. or three, Serious you know. Calls. Yeah. You know, so uh, we just get stretched really thin really quick. And then that's how, and then you start calling in mutual aid resources, and then that just takes a while. And, and you know, everywhere around us, 
no one is slow. So, you know, you could think you're getting something from Westland, but they could be out or, you know, everybody's just really, really, really busy. So yeah. um, it's just a huge shuffle game of who's going to show up at that point. So, yeah, we how, definitely... How much do the, the minutes matter? I mean, when when you're dealing with um, a serious medical issue, and that's mostly what you guys do deal with. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, medical is the largest chunk of our response. Um, I'll just use the example of, of cardiac arrest, which yeah. is the worst case scenario of somebody who uh, doesn't have a pulse and isn't breathing. Um, and for every one minute that you don't have CPR, it's 10% decreased chance of them actually coming out of cardiac arrest and yeah. surviving. So 10 minutes is 100% no chance of uh, survival statistically yeah um so it's really important to have a timely response yeah. so yeah and that's why you know i think they had thought that through when putting in the north side as well of like how can we split our you know resources up for if they're calling on the north side or the south side and trying to be there as quick as possible but yeah. as awesome was saying cardiac arrest very crucial you get you know um chest pain some of the time it can't it may not be something but a lot yeah. of if it does end up being a heart attack you know having that medic there from canby fire who we already know because we work with each other give great quality of care we have the best equipment because that's what you know we get to control that and we get to transport them right away just because we're in town if we had to wait 10 20 minutes that's cardiac muscle tissue dying yeah. and we don't want that you know irreversibly yep yeah. so um, Captain Amit, can you talk a little bit to, uh, I believe I've seen in some information m materials uh, specifically how this levy uh, replacement, if it were to pass, uh, would uh, improve service from the Northside Station. Uh, something about, I, I think right now you're not able to staff a fire engine if you needed to or something like that or? Yeah, it's so, it's kind of difficult because staffing you know for like a civilian they look at us they see two people on a rig they'd be like wow that engine's getting out you know they're available in reality we're not allowed to enter a structure without two people inside and two people two people out so okay. you need four people technically yeah. to enter a structure just for safety reasons if there's a known rescue like somebody in the house we're willing to break those rules yeah um but safety wise we always want to make sure that we're maintaining two in and two out compliance and that's just um, the basis on that so at the north side we staff it with two um, so it is a medic satellite station we do have an engine there in case we do get a fire call so they can respond with that engine and meet up with our south engine um, so they're talking about putting a third up there with a student so then you can maintain that two in two out compliance yeah even with that even if we were to just maintain two there and then have south more people at the south when we have when we're working down to five and we transport that second medic goes out we only have one on the engine until a volunteer comes in yeah so if we had more staffing we would get rid of that one on there go up to two so then you know we can hopefully meet that two and two out compliance so yeah yeah okay. yep um, I wanted to ask just also about the, this process. Um, uh, it sounds like you've been getting a lot of uh, good questions from folks. Do you feel like the, uh, have you been kind of impressed with folks' um, uh, sort of knowledge or curiosity about the issue? Um, yeah. Yeah, their engagement on, on this type of thing? Yeah, I think there's a bunch of people that, um, like I think a lot of people at the end of the day are just kind of 
craving more information and, yeah. and more facts and stuff, which is awesome. And we're like, that's the best thing we could have is people actually just asking questions. Yeah. Because uh, the the best thing we want is people just to be educated. You know, you know, and I, and I think people should vote yes. But at the end of the day, like we just want people to be fully educated and then make their own opinion on it yeah. and then vote accordingly. Um, so I think it's been fantastic the amount of uh, involvement we've seen with people yeah. and people reaching out just wanting questions, wanting a sign, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's great to see people just interact because you, you'll have people who just moved into town a year ago and don't know much about kind of how things work versus somebody who's, let's just say, called 911, yeah. you know, three or four times in the last five years and experienced us personally and yeah. give their, you know, experience on it, which is always, you know, kind of cool to hear, you know, because some people don't know if it's never happened to you. I've never had to call 911, so I don't know yeah. how important is it versus the people who it's like, hey, they saved my life or they saved my husband's life, you know, I totally support well, it and things matter. So I mean, even if you're the healthiest person in the world, I mean, especially fire, but I think that the ambulance service as well has an impact on folks, um, insurance rates, right? The property insurance for sure. Yeah. And a big thing that for us is, uh, is ISO, which is the insurance service That's office. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So us being able to maintain staffing and get rigs out the door is dependent on that. And we've, been able to downgrade our ISO uh, to a pretty low number, which is great because that is what directly benefits people's uh, taxes or yeah. uh, not taxes, but their insurance, insurance going yeah. down. Yeah. So I mean, if we just keep keep getting busier and we're not able to respond to certain things, then that's where those numbers can can change when yeah. we get re regraded, and then people's insurance premiums can go up. Right. Right. So do you want to pay Can Be Fire? Do you want to pay? Right. Or do you want to pay <laughs> your insurance company? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So kind it's it's a total sliding scale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate you um, uh, sharing kind of your uh, your uh, opinion and your perspective. It would be a pretty a big red flag, right? If you're like, oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm just here to give information. Yeah. I haven't really decided yet. So. Yeah. Um, if folks do have, I know we've got a couple events coming up. If folks do have other questions, um, is there a, a place they can go, a website or e email or anybody they can contact? Um, yeah. So uh, for just factual stuff, um, like you said, we're having uh, two open houses at each station uh, this Saturday um, and then people are more than welcome to call the main station walk in ask questions and we can present people with flyers mm -hmm. factual information um, and all that kind of stuff awesome awesome anything else that either of you would like to add um, I think I'm just the last thing I wanted to touch on just was um, just our retention mm -hmm. um, and uh, Canby Fire's retention over the last few years has been not fantastic. We've had a lot of people that'll get hired and then within a couple of years they're moving on to a different department. And I think one of those things that is a big attributing factor is our staffing levels. Yeah. And um, just because we're so busy and you're on the ambulance so often and we're our call volume is just increasing so much that, you know, you're gonna be up m most nights pretty frequently and just running so many calls when you don't have a lot of resources and people to do that it's yeah. pretty stressful sure. um, so right now with our current staffing levels it's not a place where a lot of people see themselves working an entire career yeah. and our job as employees Which is a shame. it's a shame yeah. you know we want can be fire to be a place where somebody gets hired and they say you know what I like this place it's awesome yeah you know and, and people love the people they work with people love the community they yeah. love all that stuff but at the end of the day people go I don't know if I can I think I might get burned out before I hit my 30 or 35 years yeah. because it's just so much so I mean 
and then with not having enough people on scene you know we have safety issues as well so I mean I think this is one big step into trying to remedy that you know retention issue and I think we all want people to seem candy as a desirable place and and we want people to think that if you're work for the city or work for the fire district or work for the police department like we want people that you know if we hire them we want them to be able to stay here and and want to do that not have our place be a revolving door so yeah, yeah. I guess actually uh, one question I did have that we should um, close out with is what happens if this were not to pass uh, so if this was to not pass uh, our current levy which is I think has two two and a half years still on it uh, that levy just stays in place uh, our current um, revenue would stay the same um, and then at that point uh, call volume will just continue to increase uh, as data shows it won't go down yeah. um, so then there's just going to be more and more frequent um, frequent times where people call 911 and, and people aren't showing up for quite a long time yeah. and then ambulances more and more often are going to be coming from um, mutual aid yeah. places um, and that's just going to get worse and worse as time goes on as call volume keeps increasing we just won't be able to keep up yeah yeah we'll we do the best we can and right we'll, we'll, you know yeah yeah, we've seen situations where, uh, for example, a, a couple of years ago with this one, uh, where it's a renewal issue, and if it were not to pass, you know, probably be layoffs or something, mm -hmm. you'd suddenly be looking at a serious shortfall. That's not necessarily the case here, nope. but those challenges would still continue, and maybe down the road there might be some, some difficult uh, decisions that would need to be made, but it wouldn't be like an instant thing, like, oh, we're screwed, so, yeah. Yeah, nope, everything would, would just stay the same for our, our staffing levels and stuff. We would just uh, kind of stay the same and be you know, keep trying to keep up, you know, and then, you know, Cami's going to get busier. And then the other thing, too, is everywhere around us is getting busier. There's a thing called mutual aid. So when we're busy, we call on other resources right. to help us out. That's a two-way street. Right. So, I mean, we're, you know, we're com we're very commonly sending ambulances to yeah. Malala. We'll go into Marion County, yeah. to Woodburn, Aurora. Yeah. Um, sometimes we're going into Oregon City or sure. other places. So, you know, <clears throat> everybody's trying to help. In the bigger picture, and when everybody else gets busy, we're just not not able to do it as much. So, yeah. um, if it were to pass, would folks see it um, next year when they're doing their taxes, or would it kick in in 2024? That I'm not certain. Okay. I Sorry, think so. I, I think it's going to happen in the fall because okay. I I want to say that if we were to pass it, I believe we would hire in the fall. Okay. Ooh, that's when we'd hire the six. So people. a lot of times fiscal years go July one to June thirty, right? So that's ours. Yep, so July one to June thirty. Kick in maybe for the six months of this year, not mm -hmm. the full year. So folks would just see half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because right now um, the money that we're going to have for uh, this next fiscal year that starts on uh, July one is money that we currently have already, and we're kind of in that cash carryover phase where we're living off of the tax money from last year right. until the fall when we start getting new tax revenue. Right. So when that tax revenue comes in the fall, that would be the increased amount where then that's what would give us the ability to hire. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Last words? Not much. I mean, we hit it everything that I could think of. Yeah. Um, it is nice to be off duty and be able to say vote yes, please. I yeah. mean, we do need it. And Are you are you newer to the fire district, I believe? Uh, I've been there I, I know since 15. Oh, okay. Yeah. Excuse me, but newer to your position, right? Yeah, North sure. Okay. Yeah. So, apologies. But no, no, yeah, you're good. Go ahead. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's just uh, we clearly do need it, and, you know, we do want to give the community the best care. Like, yeah. everyone does want that, and so this is how we do that. And appropriate staffing means, you know, better service on calls, and 
yeah so it's it's funny to give kick out information yeah this is this this is that but it's like no we we need this and we need you to vote yes you know yeah. so we can keep on uh keep on working hard and doing our best you know yeah yeah and even just remember to vote uh, however you end up yeah. feeling but uh, this is one of those elections off year special district the weird yep. day elections where yep. folks you know it, it's not necessarily on the radars or whatnot and and turn out um you know which, whichever side again that you fall turn out uh, makes a big difference so mm -hmm. get those ballots in yeah and i think the other thing too is you know we're not we're not going for anything crazy we're just going to to be better and we're, and we're not even going for what like the national standard is like yeah. the national standard is to have four on a fire truck all the time and then yeah. staffing ambulances and like so if you go to like Tualatin Valley which I think is the biggest fire district in Oregon um, every engine they have is four person yeah and then they also staff some ambulances as well so you know and this levy would allow us to be staffer ambulances and then have like a third on the engine yeah so it's like mountains ahead of where we're at now but it's still not you know the ideal national standard but you know and, and I know this seems like a big levy which it is but you know it would even be even more if we were going after what would be perfect and right. we understand that and we're trying to not put as big of a <clears throat> financial hardship on the community as we can but we're, we're doing what's necessary yeah and I appreciate that that's kind of the candy way and the way that you guys have done is really okay nationals national or whatever but let's look at what we really need here in yeah Canada and what really works for this yeah and, yeah and that's the thing is you know we're not going after wants we're going after needs and this is just necessary and we're just Cami's growing a lot and when that happens you gotta grow your resources too so cool. all right well thank you both yeah thank you yeah. thank you Hey, I'm AJ. I'm your uh, local Oddmos franchise owner. I'm Mike, co-founder of Oddmos. And we're the hosts of The Odd Pod, a podcast that about life in the pizza industry. We're going to have on some franchisees. We're going to have some different vendors on. We're going to get a snapshot of what goes on behind the scenes in the, the pizza world. Don't forget to tell them about the sports. They're sports. And the crazy wacky pizza that we have every Wednesday that we create. And we also have a special guest every week as well. And I'm Gage, Odd Pod senior sports analyst. Gage, who gave you that title? Me. Oh boy. Find us on Spotify and Apple Music and the Podbean. Now Hear This Can Be is produced by me, Tyler Clausen. Our content director and star reporter is Tyler Frankie. And of course, our show is edited by Cameron Clausen. We also feature the vocal talents of Joy Struby and James Walden. So a round of applause to them. The song that you're hearing right now is Can Be by singer-songwriter Olivia Harms, used with her permission. To find more work from her, you can visit her website, olivia13.com. Now Hear This Can Be is dedicated to preserving independent local journalism and redefining local news with our fun, fresh, and energetic brand of storytelling. Our sincere thanks to our local sponsors who make this show possible. Please show your appreciation by supporting the small businesses who support us. The production of Now Hear This Studios, Canby's locally owned full-service audio, video, and media production company. Our mission is to produce the best content in the universe and we'd love to help you do it. Find us online at nhtstudios.com.
Um, I will take a motion to adjourn. I just moved it. I didn't even ask for it, though. (laughs)